You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to a fresh new episode of Fly on the Call, Candid Conversations on Music. Today, I'm talking with Grey Matter, the Michigan emotional ska core band that just put out a brand new album called Climbing Out. There was a lot to cover, from the state of ska, to the way they approached their unique sound, to the lyrics which shed a light on some harsh realities of the world, while at the same time uplifting the listener by giving them waves to make a difference. Gray Matters music is sure to get you off your ass and on your feet in more ways than one, so let's get to it. I guess I kind of wanted to just start um, by hearing your kind of thoughts on like the state of ska music, um, because I feel like you and uh, like Scott Tune Network are kind of both especially spoken out- outspoken about it. <laughs> uh, you want to take that, Jake? Or... No, okay. I mean, you go and then I'll go after you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say ska is, you know, is as cool as it's ever been. It's a very... Um, uh, diverse genre, I think, that can uh, come about in a lot of different ways. Uh, obviously, us is uh, more of the hardcore edge, um, but there's always like a wide array of people in the underground doing a lot of really cool shit with it and trying new stuff with it. Uh, um, but yeah, I think Scotty Network is kind of at the forefront of it, especially in terms of having a really strong internet presence. Um, which I think is crucial. And they sort of have capitalized on what I think people love about ska the most, which is uh, really cool to see. And uh, I don't know, I think uh, I'm a little biased because I'm, so I'll let Jake, <laughs> Jake say something too. You say that like I don't <laughs> of a heart with the word ska inside. <laughs> I was going to get ska tattooed on my butt. So, you know, <laughs> one up you there. Well, I already, I did it. <laughs> Uh, go ahead, Jake. <laughs> um, Sky, right now, it's it's like interesting as it always is. Um, it's cool to be a band that does it. It's always interesting to see other bands do it too, because I feel like a lot of bands don't do it the same way. <laughs> and in that, like, you can just add upstrokes to any kind of music, and that kind of makes it Scott Jason. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I love Scott. Obviously, I love that we are alone like 60% of the songs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like the horns too, but that doesn't ska make, I would say. But that's fair. I don't know. Just love it a lot. I'm really happy that Jeremy is also around doing Scotch Network and pushing people to listen to new bands because it's been great for us and other bands, I'm sure. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that that kind of makes a lot of sense. Like, it being kind of, like, more in the forefront, bringing in, um, like, new stuff. Um, and you kind of said, like, you know, adding an upstroke makes something sound like, sound like ska, but I feel like, and you also mentioned, like, horns not necessarily making things ska, and I feel like you guys use horns in, like, kind of an interesting way where they're kind of more almost, like, melancholic than the typical, like, upbeat um and could you talk a little bit about that and kind of like bringing that element in and changing it around versus what like people would typically expect other people can answer this better than i can but uh i think our approach is just like we all kind of like to break the mold and we don't want to be the the cliche you know a uh, bunch of guys in fedoras with checkered sunglasses <laughs> and sideburns and um god i wish that were me i think part of that <laughs> and maybe nick and nick our drummer writes a lot of the music can speak to this better but like we're all people who also love hardcore music and we live in the midwest which is kind of dreary and melancholic as it is most of the year um so i think that kind of reflects that as well as we are all pretty open about like depression and anxiety stuff uh so I think that shows through in the music, but I'll let, I'll let Nick or someone else talk real quick. So we also used to be a Scrams band. That's all. <laughs> used to be? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. used to be? I don't know. Uh, so a lot of the horn parts um, are written by our saxophone player, um, one of our saxophone players, Dominic Biringa, who uh, has multiple degrees in saxophone and is uh, very involved in the jazz scene and the funk scene. So a lot of the parts are, um, I would say, pretty informed by that more so than, um, I guess, more traditional Scott or third wave stuff. Mm -hmm. And I write some of it as well, and Pip has written some of it, and we've all kind of collaborated on a lot of it. Um, but we kind of just write what we think sounds good and don't necessarily try to fit any sort of mold. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And um, I feel like uh, the last track on the album, 1996, is kind of your... Um, like last ditch effort, like th throw in the towel, like here's our, what we would be doing if we were just a ska band sound. Uh, well, can you tell me a little bit about the process of putting that one together? So that song is called 96 because it was like a joke in the demo about how that would be like the radio hit in 1996. <laughs> Uh, I don't know I, who wrote that, who wrote uh, that song. I, I wrote that song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that song is cool, I think. It's funny because we always wanted to be a band with more ska influences, but for a lot of our history ended up being like a hardcore scramsy kind of band. And so, I don't know. We're a band that is not about putting ourselves in like a box. And I think... Um, Except for that one song where we did that. Well, right. But that's kind of the idea. I think we still like to explore our range as a band. I think like, I don't know. I think we... I wanted a feel-good song at the end of the record because i think a lot of the record is about coming out of a bad situation and trying to find the good and i think having a really positive upbeat message at the end of the record is like i don't know i think that's the end result of climbing out all the bullshit <laughs> so i don't know it felt right and it felt like that was the place to like lean into the the big fish sound <laughs> i sure. was saying Trying to not be really fish. I'm saying, except for that one song, we love you. Take us on tour. Take us on tour.
third wave money. Twenty-five dollars or less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've been kind of like talking about like more of the hardcore elements of it and like the like kind of dreariness of some of it, but I feel like it's kind of interesting the way that's mixed with you know, like you mentioned, mostly like uplifting lyrics, kind of like moving towards a better place and stuff. Um, and it kind of like reminds me of like Origami Angel, how people would kind of like assume you hear an emo band and they're gonna be sad, but then like, you know, they're like super positive and like trying to build you up and stuff. Um, can you talk about that kind of like dissonance between the sound and the um, lyrics? Definitely. Uh, yeah, I think in that, um, I don't know. Uh, I think with every song I write lyrics to, I want there to be some sort of takeaway to it. Um, I don't know. The Grey Matter is about exploring all kinds of topics, but not only like, I don't know, seeking to like understand them, but also to like kind of give the listener something to do about it. Uh, I don't know. I think like different songs on the album kind of go different places. Like we have a song that talks about uh consent and we have a song that talks about racism and we have a song that talks about like really uh i don't know really crippling depression and addiction and i think like um i don't know i think those are like pretty dark topics but i think and i think maybe that's what informs like the guitar sound and maybe like i don't know the initial like dark texture of a lot of the music but i think you know i've been trying to do this more on a personal level but like um coming to the point where uh i you know the way we or the way i've learned to combat really shitty things in my life is to figure out what i can do to have control or autonomy in the situation and i think that uh, a lot of songs work better as calls to action you know i think it's one thing to write a song about how shitty racism is it's another thing to write a song about what you personally can do to leverage your privilege in situations where uh, you find yourself uncomfortable or you think uh, it's unsafe for you or other people. I don't know. I think uh, the positive messaging, I think, is what makes music fun and engaging. I think, uh, I don't know, I want to engage the listener and get the listener to think about what they they can do and uh, how they can grapple with their feelings in a way that gives them some kind of control. Because I feel like giving myself some kind of control when it comes to like dealing with panic attacks is like one of the big ways like I felt, I don't know, I felt like I've been able to work through them more easily in my adult life. And I think, I don't know, I think uh, at the end of the day, we're trying to make people think mm. and I don't know. <laughs> does that make does that make any sense? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I feel like, it kind of like the fact that you like you said it's like kind of like calls to action it almost makes it um less overwhelming the fact that you're able and makes it easier for you to cover like so many topics you know because it's like coming at it from a this is what can be done rather than like oh let's like wallow in the sorrow so i think that's really an interesting thing as well <laughs> yeah definitely yeah i don't you know i want everybody to come out of a gray matter gig feeling good and feeling like they have power to make positive change in their own lives and the lives of the people around them. I don't know. Cause so I try, I try to do that every day and I hope everybody else does too. Cause this, this, that's what the power of music, baby. That's the, <laughs> 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 I'm going to podcast. I don't check what shit off the top. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I'm also like, I'm curious, kind of like talking about all, you know, we've talked about like the different um, parts in each of the songs, as well as, you know, all the different like subject matter that comes in. I'm curious, like, what kind of band are you as, like, while you write? Are you kind of like, you know, where it's you jam together or like someone comes in with a few interesting ideas or one of you writes the majority of the songs? Uh, that's pretty interesting. That's a good question. I think we're pretty collaborative. Does somebody, somebody else want to feel that? You want to feel that? <laughs> well, I think that it definitely has in the past been the second one where like somebody will come in with an idea and we'll work on it together. Like it's usually you or Mac will come in with like a riff or even like most of the song will like figure the rest of it out together. Yeah, I think um, like we have always written, I've never been able to just like write a whole song about a topic and just like be like, here's what the song's gonna be and then design the whole song around that. I don't, that's never been like my strong suit. And yeah, I feel like lyrics are always like last right before we <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But I think, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, normally we, I think it's really starts from the bottom. Like we just, Nick and I, uh, I don't know, I play, write a lot of like the guitar parts, but a lot of times it's just me riffing around with Nick and we'll have a bunch of ideas that we'll show to the rest of the band and be like, hey, do you like any of these ideas? Do any of these bring, you know, give you any ideas as to like directions for the song? And I think, um, yeah, I think it's it's just is wholly collaborative. We kind of run everything past everybody, and everybody writes their own parts mm. for their instruments and has input. And I think uh, I don't know. I think it's cool too because I think making the writing out of autonomy and kind of like uh, I don't know, uh, uh, like a feeling of efficacy in the band, like they like they have ownership over the parts they write. Mm-hmm. We also. We also haven't written anything with the current lineup, really, uh, and I'm really excited to see how. It's... Awesome. How how long has the current lineup been together? Uh, Web post. Yeah, March, May, 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 May of 2019. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, most most of this record was written between uh, mid 2017 and mid 2018, and then a lot of the revision went on kind of from uh, the middle of. 2018 to when we went in the studio. Um, do I have those years wrong? Was it 2016 to 17? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> it feels like it's been so long. We it's been been a while. 2008, I think, is when we started writing. <laughs> yeah. I, it's interesting, too, because Graham has always kind of functioned as a collective. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, have been in the band for as long as it's existed, but um, I don't know. We've always been really open to like collaborating with people, and like that's how kind of how we ended up with a horn section. So like, I don't know. The current we say like the current lineup hasn't written any songs together, but like the current lineup is still changing. Like we uh, <laughs> are in the process of uh, yeah having uh, somebody else play guitar for us, and um, I don't know. I think uh, yeah. The fun part about Gray Matter is that there is like no, I don't know. The consistency there isn't. I don't know. It's a collective. It's a collective. Variety is the spice of life. <laughs> None of our songs sound the same for for a reason. It's because different people write them. It's like when your parents leave you home alone for the first time when you're like 13. And you have like <laughs> girlfriends over. Yeah. Everybody's saying that word. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's always saying the F word. Yeah. <laughs> you're not saying the F word. <laughs> oh, and, I mean, kind of like speaking of that, um, 
like the collective feel of the band. Uh, I'm curious what are kind of like the, how did the, the musical paths that you guys took to get to the band, how do those like compare and differ? So, gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> Nick, Nick, Mac, and I, who are like the th- three original members that are still in the band, all grew up in Livingston County at the same time. I guess Mac is a couple years older than Nick and I, but Nick and I are the same age and met going to shows there and really liked Mac's band from high school. And that's how we know Mac. Uh, I don't think they know where Livingston County is, though. It's, it's legendary. It's where Bloodfest is. I don't know. Is it Michigan? I don't think it's a Michigan thing. I don't know. That's weird. Southeast Michigan. I don't know. I think yeah. we all have different relationships to local scenes, and we all have different relationships to music education, too. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I have a bunch of music education involving voice, but, like, none involving guitar. And like Nick has a bachelor's degree in percussion performance, so like I started playing bass to be in this band. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't even know, Elliot. What is your? Uh, I've been I've been honking saxophone for a decade, but I started violin when I was eight, so seventeen years now. Kenny's a Christian Scottcore legend. Yeah, uh, I was born and immediately came out of the womb and joined a Billion Ernie's and famous sense. No, actually, I, I played hockey and I told my dad to kiss my ass and I picked up the trombone and joined marching band my senior year of high school and been honking ever since. So. <laughs> nice. And uh, as far as like the, the genre blending that goes on within the band, how, like, where does all that come in from? We just like a lot of shit. That's, that's, <laughs> I think the thing is that everyone in Grey Matter is very different. I don't know. We all listen to like our own we enjoy sometimes. So like I don't think, and uh, I think it's fucking. I, there are so many genre bands in this world. It is. I don't know. It is. I've never wanted to make music that sounded like sounded exactly like a different band. I've always wanted to be like. I want to sound like this part of this song from this band. And then we go to write it. And then when we go to write it, we write it differently than they do. And then we put a trump, you know, we put a horn section over it and suddenly it uh, feels a lot different. And I think, uh, I don't know. I think just being open-minded is a big thing too. Like I think we're all really good listeners and try to uh, understand each other's ideas and ways and yeah, I think we take a lot of bass ideas from artists we like and then interpret them in our own way. So, like, imagine a Venn diagram with uh, six circles, and then that really tiny section in the middle where they all gather from a little bit of everyone else. Yeah, I would say totally. Also, the middle part would say ska. <laughs> Jake and I are the ska uh, aficionados of the band. Ska aficionados. Yeah, we. we <laughs> uh, everyone else hates ska. I'm actually curious, like, do you find that you make more fans, th- like, through ska or through hardcore? We actually have a lot of fans through playing emo shows. <laughs> um, I feel like we definitely have a lot more fans on, like, the ska side of things, but we've always kind of had trouble getting on hardcore shows, which sucks, because I think that'd be really fun for our band. But it does. It's hard. I think, initially, Jake and Nick and I even though we were like a hardcore scramsy kind of band at the beginning, we, I don't know, we're 
scene we grew up in was very like hyper masculine yeah very tough guy no shirt in the pit sort of uh Hell yeah brother yeah that, <laughs> that was like our kind of initial experience with hardcore and then i don't know i think uh i think that was kind of a turnoff for us and we never like really found our footing in like michigan hardcore i know that like a lot of michigan hardcore is like really good and there are like cool bands doing cool stuff it's just like something we've never really been connected <laughs> so but i think it's funny too because like there's not really other ska bands to play with michigan so like we end up <laughs> we've played like five years worth of emo shows and played like we played like played four, one show with Mustard. yeah we played we played a couple shows with like kenny's old band uh several of my several old bands. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah and i think that uh clearly we have like a ton of I don't know. I think Scott fans will like any band that's doing something interesting with a horn section. Mm-hmm. So I think that like we're kind of a natural fit in the ska scene. But I think also we because we cross over so many genres, we you know, in the same way we don't limit our sound, we're not trying to like limit ourselves to playing like a certain type of show mm-hmm. or working with a certain type of artist. Like I think um, I don't know. I think mixed genre shows are just more fun in general. Like Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of like not being around a lot of ska bands, but also that kind of like a lot of the people who enjoy the band come in from the ska side. So I'm curious, like, is like, does the internet play a big role in, you know, the way you guys expand your audience? Definitely. Twitter has been really good for our band. Um, I Yeah, talk about your meme strategy, Jake. <laughs> I, so every time I see a tweet that's just like, like generic tweet meme format, uh, it'll be about something else and I'll just like replace the one word that's not the meme and make it say Scott and it'll literally get 3,000 retweets. <laughs> what was that la- the last one? Do you remember? Uh, was it the with this knife I will defend Oh, Scott? yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. copy pasta of the, the sword or the knife or whatever uh, and it literally just, I changed it from something else and it said with this blade I will defend <laughs> <laughs> or I will defend the honor of Scott or something, and it literally got like three thousand. Oh my god! <laughs> so, uh, our marketing strategy is just let Scottian Network do all. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, Puts us on a playlist, and we get five hundred streams in a day. It's so sick. It's, we're banking off of that in my previous Scott core fame from ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, I feel like we should throw out a quick thank you to Jeremy for yeah. all support. And yeah, uh, both of the labels that we're working with for this release have, have been doing a lot of good. Um, I don't know, Kenny, maybe you want to speak to that more? Yeah, uh, so I've been involved with Ska since I was like 13, and I booked a lot of shows uh, for a lot of touring bands, and I got to know Mike from Kill Lincoln, who's a really great band, uh, and he runs Bad Time Records. So him and I sort of teamed up and had this vision to make Grey Matter uh you know, at least like have a pretty strong internet presence. Um, I think we've been doing good at that. And Jeremy has been helping us a lot. And Joe Scala, who I've known since I was like 15, he plays in the best of the worst and thirsty guys and like 10 trillion other great bands. He runs this label called Choke Artist and has always been incredibly supportive of everything I've done artistically since I was a teenager. So uh, props to them. Without them and my uh, my ska past and wanting to be ska famous, I don't think we'd be where we are today. <laughs> True. 
Awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I also wanted to, you know, we kind of hit your, you mentioned like the overarching, like kind of positive vibes of the album. Um, and I definitely wanted to hit on, you know, the title track climbing out, um, kind of like being about taking those steps to, you know, kind of like take responsibility for like your situation in some ways and stuff like that. Like, um, can you talk a little bit about that one? Uh, yeah. Climbing out. The lyrics to that song are pretty interesting. I wrote them in a way I don't normally write lyrics. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I wrote that song kind of the way I did because it, it, I think depression is like a cycle. And uh, I think it's a cycle that repeats itself in my life and will probably just do that forever because, like, I don't know, there's not really, like, a cure for mental illness. You just kind of, like, cope with it. And uh, I think... Uh, I don't know. It always it always feels like depression starts like real slow. Like it doesn't, you know, you just start like, well, I'm just going to stay home today. And, and then you end up not getting anything done. You're like, shit. And then you just feel bad about it. And then I don't know. I wanted to write a song where the lyrics were kind of, I don't know. It just like I repeated the lyrics a bunch of times because I happens with more and more intensity. And um, I don't know. You know, in the same way that the album is about giving yourself autonomy in situations where you feel like you have no control, you really do have no control in some situations. And sometimes, um, I don't know, sometimes life is about surviving those situations, even when you don't have control. And I don't know, I feel like, um, I think Climbing Out is a song that makes me feel better because i don't know i feel at the it's uh it helps me think about that at the end of the day i don't know it, when stress and anxiety and that stuff reaches reaches like an inflection point uh kind of like it does at like the climax of that song it i don't know it's going to be intense for a minute but you're like i don't know i at least in my experience i like run to my friends when i'm not feeling good and i think uh I don't know. Uh, I've got lost in my own sauce again, I think. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Climbing Out is weird. It's a different song, and it's uh, a song, there's no guitar on it on the record, which is a first for Grey Matter, and um, I don't know. I think I wanted to write a song about digging a hole and not use the word hole anywhere in the song, <laughs> and I did it. So, <laughs> I don't know. Cause it, and, and in the same way, you know, uh, I guess the other thing I would say is that, like, I like digging a hole as a metaphor for mental illness because in some ways it does feel like you dig your own hole. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like I, uh, I certainly, you know, uh, exhibit some self-destructive behavior that I know that, you know, I, I everybody... I think does this to an extent, but like, you know, I feel like I dig my own hole sometimes and it's okay. I think climbing out is a song about how it's okay. So fucking, you know, we all, uh, you know, I, that is a song that uh, we originally didn't think was going to be on the record. It was kind of weird and off kilter. And um, like I said, it just doesn't have any guitar. Like Nick wrote the bass riff that became the foundation for the song. And, um, I don't know. I think as we kind of like, I wrote those lyrics for it pretty early on and we kind of fleshed it out uh, with the horns. And 
I don't know. I think it's a song people really connected with. Uh, I've I shown the, you know, we were playing that song live even like nine, you know, six or nine months ago, and people were like really connecting with the lyrics. And I don't know. I think that was, um, I don't know. Seeing people react to it so strongly, I think, was a really big uh, motivator for us to like, I don't know, try to make it maybe the bigger focal point of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting and cool that it had that like flip and ended up being, yeah, like you said, like the focal point of the album. Um, and I mean, we had mentioned earlier about kind of um, the album being kind of like a rallying cry for a lot of these issues. Um, and I feel like the intro clip um, and, and sleep is kind of like, you know, a very obvious kind of like thesis statement of that Um and I love like the callback to it, it um, later in the album as well. Um, can you tell me about like how you found that clip and how you kind of like decided to work it in? Uh, sure. Yeah, I just found that clip because I really we wanted there to be some kind of sample over the beginning of the album, and I don't know. I uh, I really like the band The Chariot, and The Chariot has a song on their last album where they use this really extended Charlie Chaplin sample from the uh, the movie The Dictator. Yeah, the right? yeah, yeah. Dictator, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and I don't, that really struck me as like, I don't know, I listened to that song the first time and I was like, wow, you really can like build an entire song to a climax around a sample. And mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was really interesting. And so I spent like a long time kind of like scouring the internet for something that like, was useful or interesting and kind of spoke to like maybe like the urgency that the album has. Mm. And I think, I think, uh, I don't know. That's a, it's a clip from a movie that I haven't even seen, which is kind of funny. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, It's a clip from a movie called network. And, um, it's a Facebook movie. Yes. It's It's not that Facebook movie. uh, Um, but yeah, I don't know. I it, I liked that clip a lot because it, the, the the dude just comes out swinging, and <laughs> I really uh, it's it's that clip is to give a little bit of context. The clip is from the like the climax of the movie where he is a news anchor on a major uh, cable news network, and he's like having a breakdown. He's like just realized that the world is complete shit. He has just realized that like a lot of things around him are like not good and he's having a bad uh he's really having a bad time and he just doesn't understand why no one else around him sees what he sees and uh, i felt like i felt like that really rung true with kind of how i felt about the l you know i feel like a lot of stuff uh i don't know people a lot of social issues people talk about in the diy scene are just like totally invisible to Mm -hmm. Uh, spaces outside of that and I think I don't know I really like that he's pissed like I don't a lot of gray matter vocals are like I sound mad because I am even if I'm trying to give like a positive message it's like I don't I just wake up and listen to the news every day and get so fucking pissed at like how shitty things are and I want to make it I don't know I feel like channeling that anger into something productive is like really important and it's it's really essential to like you know, for our own well-being and also the well-being of people around us. And that, that clip really was like the, I was like the, oh, we are doing it. That's, the, we are waking the fuck up. Like, I don't know. I really, uh, I got very excited when I found that clip. And Nick did like an incredible job of editing it because it's like a two-minute monologue that got edited down to like this. Oh, wow. Yeah, it really was seamless. <laughs> yeah. 
That's awesome. And um, like the way you're talking about that also makes a lot of sense um, why it kind of got that callback in Great Debt. Um, and that I feel like was one of the standout songs in the record to me as well. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about that song and also how it connects to that message? Yeah, sure. Greet Debt's interesting too, because Greet Debt is a song that... Um, I love that song. That might be my favorite song on the record. Yeah, we, we wrote that song. We thought that song was going to be climbing out. We thought that song was going to be like the hit and kind of like the focal point of the record. Basically, <laughs> uh, we were like experimenting with trying to workshop a couple new songs live because we hadn't recorded the record yet and um yeah so i was like trying a bunch of different stuff vocally and uh that was interesting too because gray matter's never really been a band that wrote songs in like a traditional song structure like the verse chorus verse chorus bridge outro <laughs> and that song uh i don't know that song we were like opening sets with that song and uh that song really makes us feel like a ska band i think people were really like I don't know. We got on that tour. We opened with that song. We got a lot of big D in the kids' table comparisons, <laughs> which, which is cool. Yeah, that's like a, definitely a vocal. But um, yeah, I don't know. A greet that is a cool song. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's another example of us trying something different. I think like uh, I don't know that I can <laughs> speak to the themes lyrically just in. Uh, a lot of people I know who are my age are having a really bad time. It's not the America we were promised in the on TV in the early 2000s. You know, I'm not covered in Nickelodeon. I'm in skateboarding. It's like that's <laughs> uh, on you, though. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah that's true. I'm probably, yeah, fake fucking Nickelodeon. There's fake promises. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it's. I think that song is about being frustrated about. You know, my lot in life and how like uh i don't know i think a lot of people feel like they have not quote unquote reached their potential whatever that means to them and i think uh uh i think greet you know i think greet debt is a great song title because it really is like that song is about kind of coming to that realization mm -hmm. and, uh understanding i think that's you know that song did does make sense in the context of the album because that song is starts very negatively and it's like here's all the things we don't like and then at the end of the song is like here's all the things i do like here's like the, right it's like saxophones <laughs> it also maybe has the callback to the intro because it was really the first song on the record after you see yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's right. part of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> nice and um in there you kind of you mentioned kind of like that you um, Grey Matter doesn't always have like the typical or doesn't usually have the typical song structure uh, like I've noticed that as well as like the really interesting like transitions um, where that makes some of the songs almost sound like little vignettes or something um, can you talk about that and like how that like those parts of the songs come together for you uh sure yeah I don't know uh I don't know can you speak to that Nick? sure um, I feel like a lot of that was influenced by us kind of uh, getting started in the Livingston County hardcore scene. So when we were first writing, like our first EP was six songs and like seven or eight minutes, probably. I don't know. Does that sound right? Yeah. Something like maybe, that. Maybe even less time. Yeah. So I don't know. I think coming out of like the world of hardcore, form um, is always up in the air and you can kind of just go wherever it feels and not have to feel like you're following some sort of predetermined structure or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
It's interesting. Uh, we've been talking. I, uh, I I would describe a lot of our earlier music too as kind of uh, riff salad. Is a, is a term I like to throw around. It's like uh, like songwriting where you take a bunch of different ideas and just kind of like throw them at the wall, and <laughs> it doesn't really matter if they stick or not. They're just I don't know. Riff. Uh, I. I think uh, a lot of our early stuff is like a lot of interesting different kinds of sounds, but it's not, there's not a lot of continuity or like congruency. <laughs> and I think, um, I don't know. I think the vignette structure is a little better for us because I think we're starting to understand that like we should have some like aesthetic and maybe like mood continuity points, but exactly the same. It just has to have the same kind of tone. And I think, uh, I don't know, I think maybe the, vi I'm glad I really take vignette as a compliment because I think it's like really hard to write in that style. And I don't know, I'm glad. Uh, I was, you know, I think a big worry with the album was like writing it all in once and then having to come to grips with like, maybe this album doesn't, you know, maybe it sounds like half the things are written by a different band or something or like, I don't know. Or alternatively, like, oh shit, six of these songs are basically the same song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which was also a worry, so I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of the songs were made a little bit more disjunct in the early stages, and as we were kind of putting them together and shaping the record and thinking about album order and things like that, um, before we went into the studio, there are some spots where we kind of tied together the songs um, by, like, layering in like melodic ideas from songs previously in the record on songs later in the record. Like you had mentioned the, uh, um, the reference at the end of Great Debt. So that's one. Um, there's the melody from Sleep. The trumpet melody is in um, Mas Fuerte Part 2, the hardcore song that Pontevia Skull features on. Um, just like layered in on a Fender Rhodes, like in the background, almost inaudible. Um, and there are kind of little things like that throughout the record that like, you might not even notice or you might notice um, that I guess we had hoped would like really help kind of tie the record together. <laughs> is that they Easter eggs? Is that an Easter egg? Yeah. No, no, the Easter egg on the record is the baseline from Long <laughs> It is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, all the listening, please don't see us. I'm just gonna make jokes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also um, I feel like you know going back to the idea of you know this record being called of action. I feel like the two um, like songs you've put out so far, um, "Not My Friend" and um, "Dang Love Yourself," are kind of like very much fit into that, and also kind of showcase you know different sides of the band in a way uh, sonically. Um, can you tell me about like those two and kind of like how they fit together as a pair? uh sure yeah i don't know um uh i think they're both good songs because they're both yeah i don't like you said kind of calls to action uh i like both those songs because they both um i don't know i think about those songs when i have a situation i don't know how to handle in life uh i think a lot of times um I don't know. A lot of times I question whether or not what I, what I'm doing is correct or whether, you know, I literally had a situation at work that happened an hour before I drove here to be on this podcast where like something really shitty just happened at work. And I don't really know how to, you know, I think as like 
uh, a person in 2020 where you're being constantly bombarded with information and um, have like the world at your fingertips. Like, I think it's important to do your research and understand like why your feelings are valid and why you should utilize them to enact positive change, whether it's in your life or other people's. And I think, you know, uh, like if you're in 2020 and your friend is making some racist jokes, you should really explain to them why that shit is not okay. And if it, you know, if they think if they didn't know and are well-intentioned, they'll probably listen to you and understand, uh, and like, I don't know, also in 2020, uh, it's okay to like have questions about your identity or to have questions about like, uh, I don't know, uh, about how you can better utilize your platform to help other people. And I think like, I don't know, both those songs are just about like, I don't know, wanting better. I think they just both have the mood, like the go get them mood, <laughs> which I think is like full record. It's just like, go fucking get them you know for sure yeah and um i I feel like there's already been a lot of this both in the album and the episode but um i like to finish all every interview by kind of asking for either like a piece of advice or um you know like something you've been thinking about lately that you would just like to share either about like music or about life every every band should put upstrokes on their record nick um if you have ever thought about starting a band you absolutely can do it and you should. Yeah, that's that's pretty easy actually. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, are we going around? Uh, uh, advice? I don't know. Uh, ooh, um, I don't know. Be creative. Be yourself. Don't fucking let people in your life tell you that it's a bad idea to start a hardcore ska band because <laughs> uh, it because it is, but it's also the most fun <laughs> you'll ever have. I don't know. Uh, I've been think. I think the topic of a new Grey Matter song I've been tossed around a lot is like, uh, all the shit you told is a bad idea in life is probably told to you by somebody who like has not tried it or like I don't know is afraid to follow their heart when it comes to you know I don't know or they're jealous or they're jealous. Yeah, I don't know. I just think like you know don't you should really uh, mold your life to do, be what you want it to be, not what other people. Elliot. <laughs> For sure. Uh, awesome. Oh boy. Uh I guess things suck sometimes. And that's okay. Listen to some ska. Yell about it. <laughs> Try not to get too into your own emotions about it and accept it. Things will get better too. Uh all I think about lately, I'm I teach high school and uh live the normie life sometimes, I guess, and I I've come to the consensus in my 28 years that everything is bullshit and no one knows what the fuck they're doing ever. And it allows me to like not take myself super seriously and take things super seriously all the time because I'm an anxious person and it's good to just like chill out and give yourself time to watch The Simpsons or listen to Scott with your friends. So live last Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I have one more piece of advice. I really hope that <laughs> everybody that listens to this is voting and not for Biden. Vote Bernie Sanders. Please. Yes. Please. <laughs> it's a compromise candidate, but it's the best we got. Oh, uh, we, we don't have great advice. Buy yeah. a record. I don't. Yeah, book, buy the record. I yeah. Uh, I don't know. More. I, I do have some advice. Fucking <laughs> book diverse shows. 
fucking yeah. use your if you're a musician or an artist with any sort of social media presence or like you can get up on stage and people will listen to you talk fucking do that and then give the mic to somebody who needs it like give the mic to somebody who's got some important shit to say because like i don't know i think uh i think that's one of like the main goals of our band is to try to like i don't know have a good time and like kick a lot of ass but also just like fucking use this platform to empower other people and to um let everybody know that like you have something if you have something important to say you should come up and say it you know and i think uh i don't know i sometimes think artists get in a little in their own head in terms of like i don't know being self-important or being you know i think it's easy to lose sight of like DIY ethics when it comes to like uh, a lot of the focus is on money and you know obviously money and sustainability are really important but so is uh, uh, so is your moral responsibility. I think that definitely shines through in the music so that's great um, and is there anything um, else that you that I haven't hit on that you wanted to get out about the album? Um, since I'm the marketing person <laughs> with Jake and Mike from Bad Time you can buy the record from badtimerecords.com or go to Choke Artists New Jersey's uh, website and order a different variant of the vinyl. Um, we're on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we have a not safe for work Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we left Tumblr, so yeah. We do we have band a, camp. We do have a Tumblr we've never stopped. Yes, porn is gone, so we're gone from Tumblr. And there you have it, Grey Matter. Please do check out Climbing Out. It's a hell of an album with a whole lot to dig into. And if you're into vinyl, all the variants are beautiful. I got the Choke Artist exclusive one and was blown away when I pulled it out of the sleeve. Thanks to the band for taking the time to talk, and keep an eye out for more from them soon. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyOnTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyOnTheCallPod at gmail.com. Have a good day and stay healthy. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are the Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.